Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Kevin Vanderput. All right, we're going to now jump into the message. And obviously today is very special because Jesus is alive. Can you say it with me? Jesus is alive. alive. Let's try that again. Jesus is Yes, he's alive. Thank you, Jesus. It's Easter. And so because it is Easter, uh, don't worry, the fish theme will come back and it will start making sense. The eggs won't. It's just because it's Easter. Um, We're going to take a break today out of our series uh, that we are currently in, uh, which is in the book of Romans. um, And we'll resume that next Sunday. So don't miss on that. But today is special. And so we had to jump out of Romans just to talk about Easter because it is a very important Sunday. And I'm so glad that we get to celebrate this time together today. Now, before there was Sunday, right, there was actually Friday. And Friday, we had a Good Friday service all together in Horsham. And we had a brilliant time. We came together to worship. We had communion. We prayed for one another. And just, again, putting our focus on the cross. And today is Sunday. It's the other side of the cross. And what a day it is, right? Our King Jesus is alive. He has been resurrected And so what a day is today. But what a day it must have been on the very first Easter, right? Actually, it probably wasn't. It's quite easy for us to be joyful, to be excited, to be playing games and stuff because we know how it went, right? But back then, on the very first one, they probably didn't have a clue, although they were told multiple times what was going to happen. On that Sunday, there was probably a mixture of unbelief, of worry, of sadness, of whatever, because of what had taken place on the Friday. And even when Jesus started appearing, there was still unbelief and people didn't even recognize him, right? And so it was Friday and it was Saturday before Sunday ever came around. It's important that we don't dismiss that, right? Because on Friday was the crucifixion. On Friday, the Savior, Jesus, the Messiah, the guy that those disciples and everyone spent three years of their lives following, the hope of a people was nailed on a cross. And it seems in that moment like all hope was lost, right? It seems like all hope was lost. And maybe today, although we are laughing, although we are saying this is a great day, maybe in your personal life, it feels a bit like a Friday, you know? It feels a bit like all hope might be lost, like things have been hard, challenging in many ways, and maybe you don't quite see the way out. Let me tell you, the disciples probably felt just like that, like what now? Imagine the moment where the leaders is taken out of the equation. Suddenly they've got nowhere to go, right? They've got any, they don't have any ideas to what they should do. There doesn't seem to be any way forward. And then comes Saturday. And Saturday, actually not much is recorded about Saturday. If I had to describe it in any way, I'd say it's probably a day of complete silence, right? On Saturday, there was silence. And maybe you feel today like you're in a bit of a Saturday kind of season, a season of silence, a season maybe where you're asking a lot of questions and you don't seem to get a lot of answers. Maybe it is a bit silent around you. Maybe you need a voice to speak. But it's important to know, whether it's Friday or Saturday, it's important to remind ourselves that neither Friday or Saturday was the end because then comes 
Sunday. It doesn't stop at Friday or Saturday. There was more, right? And whatever season you find yourself in, it is not the end either. There is still hope. God still speaks. We've been screaming already that Jesus is alive and he still does miracles, still opens up a way today because he is faithful and he is God Almighty. On Sunday, the grave was empty. Jesus was alive. He was resurrected in all glory and power. Amen. How exciting is that? So we're just going to turn there and Sharon read part of the passage already at the very beginning of the service. But it's so beautiful that we're going to read it again. It's found in Matthew 28. And we're going to read verse 1 to 10, if that's all right. And, uh, oh, yeah. Hear me? Yeah, we're coming in. Matthew 28. Are you there? This was all prepared to give you a minute to get there. Verse 1 to 10. We're going to read together. It says, after the Sabbath... At dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, rolled away the stone, and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. The guards trembled in fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they hurried away from the tomb in fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly... I love those suddenly moments moments in the Bible, right? Suddenly, Jesus met them and said, greetings. They came to him, grasped at his feet, and worshipped him. Do not be afraid, said Jesus. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, for there they will see me. What a passage. Jesus appears. And we read these passages countless times. And, but imagine yourself. Just put yourself in Mary's shoes for a second. She didn't go there, I think, expecting that moment, right? She went there, actually, it says in other accounts of the word, for, to put incense on the body, right? So she came to honor, to pay respect, to, to do her best for her leader that was passed away, that had been crucified. But suddenly, suddenly there's a glimmer of hope right? Something sparks in her again. There's an angel. There's a tomb. It's empty. Could it be? Jesus, you there, my Lord. It's really you. What an amazing moment to live through. Hope is alive. But actually, all the disciples were in different situation on that day, right? Jesus, um, Jesus was there and showed up to, to Mary, and Mary had come to the tomb, but others were in other places on that day doing something else. And I'd like to focus on one character this morning specifically. His name is Peter. Peter, he's a great source of entertainment throughout the Bible, throughout the whole thing. What a guy. I'd like to think that if Peter was alive today, we'd be good mates, um, just because he seems like a lot of fun. Um, he's very reactive as well, so you never know what's going to happen. Do you want to turn, turn now to John 21 together? Um, John 21, and we're going to read from verse 1 until verse 14, and we're going to see what was Peter up to after the resurrection. And so it says, verse 1, Afterward, 
Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the son of Zebedee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat that night and caught nothing. By the way, have you noticed how many times those guys get into a boat to fish and they, ca- they catch nothing? They were not really good fishermen. Like, that's my conclusion. Like, how many times can you go out and not co- catch anything? Anyway, verse 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of your boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to hold the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off, jumped into the water, went ahead essentially. The other disciples followed in the boat towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, just about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter came back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even so, many, even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come, have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So here we find my mate Peter. Peter was a fisherman, right? When, when, when Jesus first calls him, Peter's there fishing, probably not catching anything like usual. And, and, and Jesus comes and says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's how the relationship starts, right? And now we, after the crucifixion, after the days of lost hope and silence, we find Peter saying, I'm going to fish. I'm going to fish. And the verb there for going uh, in, in, in Greek is hupago. Don't quote me on my pronunciation. But it implies to go away, to go its own way or his own way or to go back. Now, what is Peter saying there? He's really saying, well, I'm going back to what I've known. I'm going back to what I used to do. I'm going there. I'm going away. I'm going my own way. I'm going to fish. Can anyone blame him, really, with everything that happened? In situations like this, we often revert to what feels the most normal, right? What feels the most comfortable. And Peter, for Peter, that was fishing. But here comes the twist, right? Here comes the beauty of Jesus. Because Jesus comes in that story and meets Peter and the others right where they are. He comes looking for them. He comes and finds them as they fish and makes them breakfast. And they eat bread together and they have a good breakfast. What a moment. It's so simple, so loving, yet so powerful, right? Peter didn't have to feel bad, to feel like he should be doing something else to to deal with all those. Jesus showed him grace, love, and compassion in that moment. He comes and finds us. 
where we are, right? Right where we are. He shows us love, feeds us, and reignites hope. He reignites hope. Watch that verse. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. In that moment, something clicks for Peter. Something clicks. Excitement rises in his heart. Could it be? Smile on his face. Imagine the moment. It's the Lord. It's Jesus. It's my man. And he runs towards it. He gets off the boat. He can't contain his excitement. Suddenly, hope is alive. Hope is alive. And did you notice the last verse of that passage that we just read, it finishes on this note. It says, it was the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after the resurrection. Do you notice Jesus' patience with them? How patient he is in that moment. He doesn't rush his disciples. He doesn't rush anything. If it was me, I'd be screaming at them, right? I don't have that kind of patience. I told you so many times what needed to happen. What are you doing fishing? Let's get on with it. There's work to do. Come on. But no, Jesus sits down and has breakfast with them. Imagine you're, you're baking an egg baguette by the sea, and it's all good. Imagine that moment where there was unbelief. Jesus came and met them where they were at. And for you today, again, there might be that sense of unbelief. There might be a sense of lost hope, of loss together, or silence. Whatever it is, know that Jesus is right there with you. But notice still that Peter had to take that step towards Jesus, right? He had to get off the boat and run towards Jesus. P- Jesus comes and meets us right where we are, but then we have a decision to make to follow, to turn our eyes on him, to draw near to him. And there's something, one last thing to draw from from that passage. Because Peter actually was always a fisherman, right? That's how their relationship started. We, We established that before as he met Jesus. And then when Jesus calls him, he calls him to be a fisher of man, right? It's still a fisher. He's a fisher of man. He says, come and follow me and I'll make you a fisher of man. The importance of that story isn't found in the fact that Peter went back to fish. He was always fishing. It's what he went back to fish that matters. Because Jesus uses often our uh, giftings and stuff that he's placed on our lives and uses them for his glory, right? So rather than fish for fish, Peter, come, I'm going to transform you and you're going to fish for man. I'm going to use what I made you to do and use it for something greater than yourself, How amazing is that? I need you to come and change people's lives to bring my kingdom forward on earth. Call them to something bigger than himself. And Peter needed to turn his attention again away from the fish onto people, onto God's people. Now I want us to take a a step back for a moment, go back in time right before the crucifixion. Because there's another passage where there's an interaction between Jesus and Peter. And it's a famous passage, but we can often miss some bits in it. It's found in Luke 22. In a bit of context, so Judas has decided already, he's made up his mind, he's going to betray Jesus, right? And they're sitting at the table and having the last supper. And in Luke 22, verse 31, we see this passage. 
It says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crowds today, you will deny three times that you know me. Then Jesus asked them, when I sent you without purse, bag or sandals, did you ever lack anything? Nothing, they answered. Now there's a preaching there about Jesus' provision and faithfulness and God's faithfulness, but we won't go there, that's for another time. Remember how when we started talking about Peter, he had decided to go back to fishing, right? He said, I'm going to fish. He had decided to turn back to his old life in a way. And now what did we just read here? Jesus is saying, I've been praying for you, Peter. I've prayed for you that when you turn back, you would strengthen your brothers, the verse says. What is Jesus talking about there? It's almost like he points to that very moment we first read. He's talking about the turning back of the turning back, if that makes any sense, right? Peter turns back to go fishing, and Jesus says, I've prayed for you that when you've turned back, you would turn back again, and when you do, you would strengthen your brothers. He's saying, when you come back to me, when you come back to believe, when faith is ignited again in you, when you realize that hope is still alive, when all of that has come to fill your heart again, then strengthen your brothers. Jesus knew, right? Jesus fully knew, fully known, fully knew that Peter would face that moment, right? That moment where he said, I'm going back fishing. And Jesus says, I've been praying for you. I have prayed for you that you will take your place and you lead the way and help build my church. You will strengthen your brothers. And there again, we see that emphasis on people. It's not about fish, Peter. It's about people. It's about people. And Jesus prayed for Peter. And let me tell you, Jesus is praying for each of us today. Right? There's, there's verses in the word that speaks about Jesus interceding on our behalf. Right, He prays for you. God isn't far away, removed from any situation you are facing. He isn't a distant God. In fact, his word says that he will never leave us or forsake us. Whatever you are facing, know that Jesus is right there with you. And God goes to work on your behalf, making a way where there seemed to have been none, bringing hope where there was hopelessness. Faith filled Peter's heart again. He believed in that moment where he rushes off that boat. Something sparks in him. Peter carried the message afterwards of that resurrection. What happened there? He understood something. My Savior is alive. He still saves, still makes a way, still brings hope and love and healing to a world of darkness. Hope is alive. And so today, it's Easter. It's us focusing on what happened on the cross and what happened right after, the good that came out of that moment and what that means for us every single day of our lives. And if you know Jesus and you're here and you know, do you want to come up? If you know Jesus, you're here today and you, you know the truth, you know about the cross, you know that you were saved and that all is well, maybe you just need to, be reminded in whatever you are facing that hope is still alive. That God still does everything we've just spoken about today. Right? 
that hope, that faith placed in him. And no one can ever take that away from you. Right? That's what Peter realized in that moment. He realized actually that hope doesn't matter what it looks like, even if it looks like death. It doesn't matter because that hope that I had in my Savior, in my leader Jesus, can never be taken away. It is mine forevermore. It is eternal hope. It is not a hope given by the world that fades away or that can be taken away by people. It is eternal hope in the promise that God works everything for the good of those who love him. And maybe you're sitting here and you don't know God or you don't know that hope or you feel like you've never actually known that hope. Maybe you thought you did. Maybe you realize now, ah, maybe I don't. If you've noticed, there's one sentence I've been saying again and again. Hope is alive. And it can be alive for all of us today. That 360 from Peter, where he went back to fishing, then turned back around to grab hold afresh of that call that Jesus gave him. Actually, we can all do that a little bit. Even if we've given our life to Jesus, even if we, we have this eternal hope, we can all sometimes try to turn back, take things into our own hands and try to do it our own way. To go back to the fish, to go back fishing. And actually Jesus is saying, hey, rely on me afresh. Trust in me afresh. For I've never let you down and I never will. And I have a way. Even when there seems to be none. Even when there seems to be complete hopelessness. Complete silence. Like Friday and Saturday. There is a Sunday. And I'm going to show up for you. Because I am a faithful God. And my word is always true. The hope that you have found will never die. And will never let you down. It is eternal hope. Eternal hope. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just pray together. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you that you meet us right where we are. After the resurrection, after everything that has happened, you came and met Mary. You came and met Peter. You came and met with all of those guys to show them, I'm here. I'm here. I haven't gone. I'm still here. My word will be fulfilled. The promises I have given you will be fulfilled. No matter what it looks like. Maybe you have promises today that you're holding on to that you haven't seen fulfilled yet. Today is a good day to remember that God's word never returns void. What he has spoken, he will accomplish. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness. Father, you are so amazing. I'm in awe of the cross and everything you've done for me. For me, when I didn't have a clue, when I didn't care when I messed up, when I sinned, when I fell short, when all of that, Father, you went and took all of that upon the cross so that I could live in the good of it, in the fullness of life, right? Jesus says, you have come and come to give life in abundance 
come to give life in all its fullness. Father, I thank you that I can live in that every single day because of what you've accomplished. Father, I pray right now that you would just reveal yourself afresh to each of the guys here in one way or another. Remind people of promises maybe. Well, Father, comfort where there has been silence and a sense of lost hope, Lord. Spark hope again right now. Spark that hope like you did in Mary, like you did in Peter. That moment where you realize it is the Lord. He is still the Lord. He is still able to make a way. Oh, come on. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray that we wouldn't just put this moment away and and, and pack it like, oh, yeah, that was a good service. We had fun. Father, may we carry that word through the day and the week to come and maybe weeks to come and work it through with you in our times with you when we pray, when we worship you and we may be thankful, thankful for what you have done but also filled with hope, joy and excitement because of what is ahead, because of what you have promised, because of what you do every single day for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hope is alive. Hope is alive. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.